Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox. Yes, it is. And who are you? I'm Josh. You? Yes, you are. And I am Jimmy. Welcome to the show, everybody. A.K.A. Jimbo. A.K.A. Yeah. Jim, A.K.A. Jim Shorts. Stinky Jim Shorts. Stinky. Have you ever told that story? KPSM Radio, New Song Radio in Brown County. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Sports with Stinky Jim Shorts. Seriously. Did you have any other nicknames? That was it. Just Jim Shorts. Jim Shorts. When I worked for KERC Curse Radio, the Jimmy Myers Roadshow, bringing you home from work in Eastland County. So if you, Eastland and Brown County, mm -hmm. if you haven't picked up on this, Jimbo actually went, it was to Baylor and then to Howard Payne or Howard Payne, you did Christian studies, Baylor, you to radio, film and television, RFG. Baylor was a Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting. Baylor acting. And then you Howard did... Howard Payne Practical Theology. Theology. And then you Southwestern did, Seminary was radio, TV, film. Yes. He was doing a master's in radio, TV, and film. So he is a thespian. Yes. And uh, he I'm likes, a lesbian <laughs> trapped in a man's body. Could you name for me a Foo Fighters song? No. No, I couldn't. No. Uh-uh. No. Hmm. No. Foo Do, Fighters? Mm-mm. No. Nothing. All right. We're just going to leave it at that. But we're talking about foo fighting today. Foo as in family of origin. Hey, oh, F-O-O. So how family of origin impacts your marriage, impacts your parenting, impacts your family. Pretty much every time. And we have someone and, you know, they say, hey, you know, my my daughter's a hothead. Well, then it's like, okay, well, you or your husband, which is it? Which are you or the hothead? Because for the most part, that's a learned behavior. She would have gotten that someplace. Well, what is true of the child is also going to be true of a spouse. If my, my spouse is a hothead, well, which one of his parents was a hothead? If my spouse is very reckless with money, okay, well, what about how they grew up? Were they reckless with money? So our family of origins, we, don't, we think we married a person and we got away from our family of origin. But we don't. We take our family of origin into every aspect of our relationship. Our foo follows us. That's why we need to be fighters. Is that what you're saying? It was a reach, but yes. As a middle kid, so I am the middle of three, two sister or one sister on either side of me. The middle is often the kid that takes on any of the negative emotionality within the home. And so I personalized, I mean, anything. I would then want to be the counselor to try to then make sure everybody's in a good mood and everybody's fine and happy. And so I turned into this appeaser. And what that led, kind of one lesson out of the many that I picked up from my family of origin, pretty covertly, I'd say, what that led to me when I got married is I didn't necessarily want to bring up anything negative to Katie. 
And so I thought I was actually really, really good at forgiveness. What I was good at was minimizing anything I didn't like. I mean, and that's Katie's perfect. Mm-hmm. So you know, it wasn't a lot to bring it up. Wasn't, I mean, anything to bring up, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't bring up anything. And so when she would bring a grievance to me, I would then machine gun her with all of my complaints that I'd been holding on to. And that wasn't helpful at all. So this idea of being the counselor appeaser from family of origin certainly impacts my marriage at a lot of levels, and, and it does for everybody. Well, it's and it's not just, you know, anger or whatever, but it's a person's communication style, work ethic, communication, how they handle anxiety, anger, you know, any type of emotional regulation. All of that stems from our family of origin. Therefore, we have to say, well, why do we do what we do? It wasn't long ago that we did a show on hurt people hurt people. And it's it's sort of the same principle. It's an, it's an understanding that for the most part, the way we see the world, the way we interact with other people, all of that was instilled in us. Unless, of course, we just grew up on a deserted island uh, all by ourselves. We cannot minimize. We want to think oh, I married this person, we're starting afresh, and we've left behind our family of origin. To do. We're cleaving to our what? Yes and no, because we bring our family of origin with us in every aspect. Someone in Brownwood, Texas is looking at timothycenter.com right now. It's the first time I've ever seen that. Hmm. I mean, what else are they going to do in Brownwood? <laughs> I mean, I get alerts of when people like check out our website. I know it's creepy, but I love it. <laughs> and uh, Brownwood, it's the first time I've ever seen that. Hmm. Very exciting. When we look at our parents specifically, and we look at, because again, there's no way, I don't care if you had fantastic parents or if you had horrible parents. And the truth is, everyone had a combination of that. When it comes to a parent, you know, there's a bit of, Bad in the best of us and a bit of uh, good in the worst of us. Yeah. When you look at the way our parents influence us, there's three primary ways where we are intentionally emulating them. There's some aspect of of who they are, how they behave or whatever, that we go, okay, I want to be just like that. Or there are aspects of who they are that we say, come heck or high water, I will not be like that. So they become our anti-example. And those are fine. Those are up on top of the table. We see them. We're either accepting them or we're rejecting them. But in many ways, our parents influence us via osmosis. It just oozes into us and we don't know how it got there. We don't remember learning that lesson. We don't remember beginning to act this way. And yet we will look up and we're morphing our parents in some capacity. Our parents, the homes we grew up in, influence us for good and for bad. But we've got to be honest about the ways in which they influence us in a bad way. Recording our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families. We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but on this podcast, we are literally 
taking baths in $100. Jimbo, Jimbo we, we're not making any money. And actually, as of right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see? See, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help, we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellifry, mellifo. The word you're looking for is mellifluous. At so many levels, covertly and overtly, our family of origin impacts the conflict within our marriage. It's really a part of all of our arguments at some level. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? You have to ask your spouse how you are similar to your family of origin. Or let me just dovetail. Just be quiet because they'll tell you how you're. (laughs) You don't have to ask them. Jimbo, it needs to be invited. It needs to be invited. So yeah, go ahead and ask them. They'll tell you to Jimbo's point, but asking and inviting that question and then taking a deep breath and actually allowing them to answer without you jumping, you know, down their throat is a really, really important first step. Well, when someone says, you know, you're just like your mother, instead of being instinctually defensive, I am not, I'm not anything like my, we're actually in the worst position possible to make that judgment. That's why your spouse actually is well, they, they say that our, our, our spouses are a mirror. They reflect back to us the reality of who we are better than anybody because they know us better than anybody. So when they, when they make those comments, the fir- and I know our first instinct is to reject it, but our first instinct has got to be to accept it. I'm not saying they're right, but you've got to accept what they're saying and try to find a lot of times when I have a lot of people take the MMPI, and, you know, some of those go, oh, well, that's just not true. And you go, well, it's not really something that's true or not. I mean, it's, it's, it's because you answered it the way you answered it. These are the results. So instead of going, it's not true, think of, well, how could that be true of me? And so when you get that feedback from your spouse, instead of just rejecting it, think, well, how could that be true of me? Yeah, and empathy can really help with that. So... If your spouse says, you know what, you're a yeller, your dad was a yeller, again, take a deep breath (laughs) and don't just crawl or frame, but then kind of think back and how could this be true? You know, what was it like to grow up in in a family where my dad was a yeller? And then think, well, that kind of felt awful. And really put yourself then in your spouse's shoes Mm -hmm. and allow that to then, man, that's how she's felt, you know, for these, these, these many years. Allow that then to soften you towards your spouse and begin to make that change. I think empathy for your spouse and dealing with you can be a really, really powerful thing. And when you have that insight, and again, this sort of insight, some of us get it. Some of us absolutely know. I've shared before that I hated it when my dad would say, you know, he would tell me to do something. And when I would ask him, why should I do it? And he would say, because I said so, that's why. And as a child, I just, you know, I swore before all that was holy that I would never, ever say that to my child. And Sarah was approximately six months old. 
the first time I yelled into her crib because I said so, young lady. It just came out of me. First thing we have to do is see it in ourselves and accept that there are ways in which we are emulating some of the negativity of our family of origin and therefore determine to stop it. You know, so often we look at our families of origin and we'll say, well, that was the way I was raised. Well, okay, stop. If you have the insight to know that that's negative and it was because of how you were raised, well, then stop it. If Again, if you've got that much insight and you know it, then you have no excuse. The only, your only excuse is if you don't see it, if you don't know it, no one's told you this. But if you have that information, you got to then act on that information. I would say if you're, if you're married to a spouse that, that says they don't know what you're talking about and they can't see it, I would say that psychologically at some level they do. Yeah, absolutely. That they just are blocking. And if you think to yourself, you know what? I didn't like this when my dad was like this to me. Then it's like, well, your children don't like it either. Find the motivation. Make the determination to stop. I'm not talking about being abused, but it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit similar to people who were abused as children. You tell them, well, you know, when you were little and you were powerless, there wasn't really anything you could do about it then. But you have all the power in the world today. Maybe you couldn't do anything then, but you can do a lot now. And so if you see that in you, stop it. Stop the cycle. Stop the spreading from generation to generation and make a determination. First, you have to accept it and not defend, but accept the truth that, yeah, okay, possibly I am, and then make a determination to stop. You know, addiction research can help in a lot of instances, and I think it applies here as well. Addiction research tells us that we have to learn to despise the behavior before we're able to make any change in it. So, you know, me as someone who needs to lose 40 pounds, when I look at a cheeseburger, I need to see cancer and heart disease and not yummy. No, no, that's too much. That's too much to ask. (laughs) When you think through yelling, since I guess that's the, the example we're using, obviously, Due to your cost-benefit analysis and you continuing to do that, you believe that it benefits you more than it costs you. But when you conceptualize and think through yelling at your children or your spouse, you need to think through all the negatives of it. You know, how much it's hurting them, how much it might be destroying your family, you know, decaying it from the inside. You need to think through not just the power that it brings you and the rush that it brings you and how you can control and get your way, don't think of the positives, think of all the negative things that it that it leads you to so that you can learn to then think negatively about that instead of benefit. And to that point specifically, your parent used yelling and coercion with you because it worked. And you use it because it works. It works. You'll get your way because people will give you your way just to get you to stop, just to get you to uh, be quiet and just to leave me alone. What do I need to do to make this stop? Okay, give you your way. So in the short term, we think that that sort of thing works, to your point. But in the long term, it guarantees we'll never, because what we want is see this my way, understand my point of view, see what I'm saying is true. And by yelling and screaming and using it, we're guaranteeing people will never see it our way, ever. So you've got to see it. At, yeah, I guess it is. It, it pays off for me in the short term, 
but not in the long term. And to that, addiction research tells us to think past the reward, Mm -hmm. to learn to despise the behavior. So, all right, four drinks, you know, four drinks seems really great when you're on zero or one, but think about how you're going to feel the next day. Think about how you act after the fourth drink, right? So think past... You mean the life of the party? <laughs> think past the reward of that fourth drink. And by drink, drink, you don't mean margaritas. You're excluding margaritas sure, sure, from... Sure. Yeah, you can have a hundred of those. Okay, good. But just okay. whiskey, beer, wine, just okay, four. Good. Okay, So you think past the reward. So if it is anger, again, that short-term benefit for you is real or you wouldn't do it. But the long-term devastation that it's causing, that's what you've got to choose to focus on before you get ramped up in order to calm you down because you don't want the end to come. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want that that end game, those results to come, and so you choose to not be angry now. And I don't what we're saying here, oh, just do this. Oh, just recognize it. Oh, determine to stop. Realize how hard it is to go against your DNA. Sure. I mean, this is hard. Your brain is wired to respond this way. And to make this change is going to be very difficult. And if you have a spouse, and by the way, maybe you have a spouse that's it's pretty obvious how their family of origin, but you're being impacted by your family of origin as well. So very few of us can get up on our high horse and wag a finger at somebody else. But it's a very difficult thing to do, but it's worth the effort to do it. Guys, if this struck a chord for you, you can go to ParadoxPodcast.com, click on the episode tab, find Foo Fighters, and we'll have two or three extra steps that you and your family can take on our website on the show notes. If you want to follow the show as well as us individually on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can also go to ParadoxPodcast.com as well. Thanks for joining us. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Actually, it's less of a book to me and more of a journey. It took me over 12 years and... It's just a lot of things that, uh, you know, growing up in the church, going to a Christian university, hearing more sermons than probably the average person, there's still a lot of things I didn't understand, both in the Old and the New Testament and how they related together. And so it was really a a study, a deep study that I did for many, many years. And they kind of all came together in this format where I look at principles that were established in, in the Old Testament, but that were transformed in Christ And when we apply them and understand them today in light of the new covenant, they're really transformative in our lives.